I I will say that uh, the whole movie was great. The that and and also the thing I like about Jordan Peele is that he's finding new ways to scare. It's not like the same thing, you know. It's let me like let me ask you this: Did you like it more than um, Get Out or Us? Let me pause you both for one second. I'm sorry. Interesting take, but this movie was fun too. Right. It was and it scared. It was scary in different ways. <laughs> okay. Um, but I I will I I do feel like that being said, I do feel like it. I feel like I liked it better than Us. Um, okay. But I mean, you know, yeah. Teach their own. Uh, well, cool. That's all. That, that, uh, that's I it. think I liked us the most. I mean, Get Out changed like the face of cinema. But yeah. I feel like out of the two, I liked us the most. And then we'll see you tonight. I mean, I don't normally favor alien movies, so I'm super curious. Yeah. She's super jazzed. I said curious. I've seen your jazz. <laughs> it's different. And it also, to me, in my opinion, and I, you know, again, a teacher, I don't feel like it's really a movie about, like, an alien as opposed to, like, a movie about, like... Don't say anything else. Don't say anything else. All right. Let's start the episode. <laughs> Yay! <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, I almost ruined a plot to a movie. Yay! For, for every... All the listeners... Because yeah. it's a fairly new one for those who listen right away. Um, Lori, I asked, I asked, uh, I asked Joe to be on this on this episode, and he didn't want to. I know. Yeah, he's got stuff going on with that Spotify thing, and also that's he's so kind vague. Of an <laughs> it's so <laughs> so you know. Yes. First of all, that's kinda, that's kind of an asshole. So yeah, he's that. kind of an asshole. <laughs> no. I don't know. I don't must, think he is. Must be nice. But the Spotify thing is just so vague. Like I know you know what it is, but when you told me that, I was like, "So what? What is like what? Like he's, he's just playing with Spotify." Yeah, he's playing Spotify. That's yeah. what he's right currently right now. He's listening to Spotify. <laughs> he's going through the entire Foo Fighters discography. He doesn't have time yeah. to come on the show. Exactly. I think it's just that he's just so. It's just he's so busy right now that it's just like anything extra. He just is like, I'm I'm good. I don't want to do it. Mm. So must be nice. It's, it's not it's not a personal thing. I think it's just that he just and you know who knows it could be a personal thing. It could be. <laughs> who knows? But I don't. I personally don't think it is. I think he's just super busy. But you know what? If you want, I can pretend to be Joe. For the episode, um, and just be like, you know, just interject with like, so uh, Marie and Cash, what do you guys, uh, who tops who? You do you know, have a sound- interject with like the weirdest <laughs> sexual questions? Do you have a soundboard ready? Oh yeah, that's what we should do. We should yeah. do ten to fifteen minutes of picking a good intro song. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, well, I wanted Joe to be on, and he's not here, but God bless him, because today we're doing Dorian. Corey. Yes. Yes. So before Dorian died, he, sorry, before Dorian died, she had cemented her status as a beloved member of the drag queen community. Oh, okay. Her stage words and unflinching gaze were immortalized in the iconic Paris is Burning. Oh, that's the one we're doing. Cool. Yes. A documentary about the ballroom and drag community of 1980s New York City. Um, 
Cash just thought that I was having like it. He called me a drag queen, which I was very flattered by. Because <laughs> <laughs> he caught me rewatching Paris is Burning while also in the middle of rewatching the entirety of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> While dressing up in drag, yes, while doing drag makeup, <laughs> looking into looking at a wall, not even looking at a mirror, like I gotta make myself pretty. You're dis- you're dis- you're describing my my most opulent life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the documentary helped bring ballroom culture and voguing to the forefront of culture as we see it today. Dorian Corey died just three years after her big screen debut. But that didn't stop her from making everybody gag just one more time. Gagging. Sickening. Ah. There's going to be a lot of that. And I'm not poking fun at anybody. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I literally, it's all I consume at That's this point. That's very true. I, I am sure that that is. It's <laughs> all she is You know, I, I do have an affinity. I, I do have an affinity RuPaul's Drag Race. But I will say my favorite has been Dragula. I'm I'm, I'm saving Dragula. I'm saving Dragula for this. This is my second round with RuPaul. So the reason I will say the reason that I fell in love with with Dragula is that it it basically showed me that drag now is not it's not it's become more than just men dressing up as women because as we're finding out. There were trans trans women were essentially the forefront of this. So it was really truly never men dressing up as women. Yeah. It was trans women sort of coming into their own. Right. And showcasing them themselves. And and then there were other men who saw that and, you know, added to it. But I think that it kind of shows that drag is like a, it's a performance art. It's yeah. A, it's a so that to me is I like I like drag as like a performance art. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I, you see that more and more on Drag Race. That's but. what I was going to say. That's, I really like these later seasons of Drag Race because of of the more performance art aspect nowadays. Yeah. Um, like even, like, even with Sharon Needles, like I feel like Sharon Needles was kind of like the first popular version of Dragula-esque um, costuming and, and drag. Even though she turned yeah. out to be super problematic and like racist, did she? Yes, there's all yeah. these like crazy. There's like a picture of her up like up in drag with like a huge swastika shirt on, and she did blackface. The swastika shirt was it? Was it a red shirt with a swastika in the middle? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a Sid Vicious thing. So I'm probably sure she was trying to do that. Not that I'm excusing it, but I mean, I'm like, it's I know fine. where it comes from. I must see people do it. I still don't get the blackface thing. Well, she is racist. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that is. Like, they defended oh, it. Oh, okay. They huh. defended it by saying that it was like this the punk thing, the Sid Vicious thing, where they were trying to shock with the Nazi stuff. Nah, enough. Yeah. Enough. But There's too many real ones around. The the one argument that I can it's not shocking anymore. Yeah, it's just yeah. upsetting. And the, well, this was also like um, yeah. like a while ago because Sharon Needles won like what oh, okay. season four, and RuPaul's Drag Race premiered in like '09, so not too long yeah. ago, but long long ish ago. Oh nine. <laughs> Uh, anyway, and about Sharon Needles. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> you were asking. I'm like, yeah, keep going. <laughs> Today's sources are Jeannie Russell Kassendroff's 1994 story in New York Magazine, The Drag Queen Had a Mummy in Her Closet, and The Drag Queen and the Mummy by Edward Cullen and the documentary Paris is Burning. Now, the Edward Cullen piece is a is like a 21-page um, essay about this, and it has a lot of the language of that time in there. Mm-hmm. So I left all, all of that out. <laughs> uh, but uh, just... It's like chapter one. So chapter one. Sickening darling or something. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it was the straight lingo of that. So it's like transvestite, you know, yeah. cross-dressers. Oh, it's not the fun, fun It's lingo. not. It's not the fun, like, yeah, queen lingo, gay lingo that we lo- know and love today. It's the straight hateful mingle uh, of the time Ugh, okay yeah <laughs> colloquial mulattos and stuff this, yeah <laughs> the stuff the the gays and are weird. what and I just, I just love it it's like there's no reason for it he just wanted to throw it in there. yeah yeah it's mulattos like, right, i gotta be <laughs> yeah yellows it's, Brownies. This uh, Oriental person. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ, guy. It's <laughs> <laughs> Oriental cross-dressing. A... <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. He just has a box called hateful words, yep. and he just keeps pulling them words out. He's just like, ah, what do I need to say here? Okay. All right. All right. I'll say this. <laughs> and uh, the aforementioned Paris is burning documentary. Dorian kept her life, kept her early life far removed from her life in New York City. Her true surname was Leg, L-E-G-G, which is also like a great drag name, Dorian Leg. Yeah, that's great. You know? Yeah, that's really cool. But she didn't, she didn't use it, obviously. She went by Corey. And according to friends and the creator of the documentary, Dorian was born and raised near Buffalo, New York on a farm. She began performing drag in her area and worked creating window displays for department stores before moving to New York City in the 1950s to start art at Parsons. Ah, Parsons. Yes. Cool, great. School of Design. Art school. Great. Mm-hmm. She was, uh, after she graduated, she was a part of the Pearl Box Review, a drag cabaret that toured the Eastern Seaboard during the 1960s. Hmm. According to her friend and photographer, Bryant lament me. She had a hilarious stories of her time there as a snake dancer and traveling with a boa constrictor. This bitch Ooh. is a pioneer. She has a just a huge big life. She always did what she wanted. She always did things for fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she supported herself with her own costume making company, Corey Designs. Good for her. Interesting. I mean, this this woman like. To think of what she wants to do for fun is like she wants to essentially buck the system and do something that could possibly get her, you know, put her in danger. Yes. And what I want to do for fun is take off my pants and watch CSI. Like, <laughs> but you're, I feel like sometimes you're also gay, you know? Yes. I feel like sometimes, though, I'm just like, I need to do more for the cause, you know? <laughs> nah, Laura, you're, you're, you're a pioneer. <laughs> oh, no. no, no, no. Let's not start that rumor. 
Oh boy, good for her. She yeah, and this is like the fifties and sixties when, like, you could you well you could still die today, unfortunately. But really, back then yes. it was such a huge risk. Yeah. Um. Throughout her years, she performed frequently at a place called Sally's Hideaway, a popular gay and drag bar in Times Square. The bar burned down and reopened a few doors down as Sally's too, and Dorian and so many others continued to call Sally's home until the bar was forced to close its doors in 1997, and that's after her death, as part of Giuliani's city cleanup. Fucking Giuliani. Yeah, he really ruined it for her. For everybody. He's been a piece of shit forever. Yeah. Now look at Times Square. Never great. (laughs) Now look at Times Square. Yeah. It's so much fun for the whole family. And it has... The M&M shop. Yeah. With the freaking drag queen M&M that's (laughs) just (laughs) standing outside. (laughs) Oh, the one that we're not allowed to, like, they took away her hooker heels. Yeah. (laughs) Because I guess little boys were like, you know... Look at those! And grown men were like, I'm finding myself sexually attracted to an M&M figure. <laughs> I mean, what's the worst that can happen in that scenario? They masturbate on top of a bunch of green M&Ms? Yeah, I mean, you get I mean, a chocolatey dick, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than what they were going to do, which is not please their wives, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can just watch that. At least if they have the chocolate on their dick, then the wife has a chance. Yes. To be happy in one way. <laughs> She's like, just shower and go to bed. I think there's better ways to get chocolate, but okay. <laughs> they could give it a shot, and let me tell you, they will. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> He's like, he's sickening me. <laughs> Dorian was undoubtedly a fabulous performer, known for her sharp wit, being a diva, making anyone smile while turning around and throwing out a string of insults about the ugly bitch. By the time the documentary was made, her style was considered old school, although always glamorous and elegant. She loved diamonds, feathers, and to be dripping in sparkles. One time, she wore a gold cape that covered the entire dance floor, her friend Louis Taylor detailed to the magazine. Her last performance would be at Sally's in May of 1993, wearing a gorgeous white marabou coat and white gown, dripping in pearls. She sang Regina Bell's If I Could and won Entertainer of the Year. Hmm. Lois took care of of Dorian during the last three years of her life when Dorian's health began deteriorating after being infected with AIDS. Mm Hmm. She passed away in August of 1993. She left behind an unmatched legacy in drag and an apartment full of opulent, hand-sewn outfits and costumes. Before she died, she told Lois to keep what she wanted and sell the rest, which is exactly what Lois did. The tiny apartment, the tiny Harlem apartment on 140th, excuse me, let me take a drink of water here. Okay. The tiny Harlem apartment on 140th Street held something on every centimeter of space. All treasures of Dorian's full life. Then, on an October morning in 1993, 
Lois brought a couple of customers over to Dorian's apartment on the search for some Halloween costumes. The customers were straights, Taylor would tell the magazine. <laughs> straights. They were straights. <laughs> they were totally straight. They, even, they were like, we're definitely straight. Look at our plaid. Uh, I have a wallet. Uh, and I'm definitely straight. After this, we're going to have some dinner at the IHOP. Yes. yes. And these are definitely Halloween costumes. We're bringing them one time. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. They will not hang in my closet for whenever I feel a little lonely. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they rifled through the gowns and capes to no avail until they came upon an oversized flannel garment bag in the way back of a closet. The bag tumbled over after another weight was released. It was so heavy that the customers could not move it. Instead, Lois grabbed some scissors and told the customer to open it. What you love that she was like, you open it. Well, you're the one looking for your fucking outfit. <laughs> she's, <got a> point. <laughs> she's the one selling, but she's like, no, you're the one looking. <laughs> but it's so heavy. <laughs> I know. What do you want me to do about it? I'm straight. <laughs> Seems like a you problem. Yeah. Oh, the streets have it so rough in America. She's all fucking with them. She's like, drag queens don't use scissors. We don't know how. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, oh, you're straight. Lift it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So they cut it open, and the foulest of stenches permeated the room. <sighs> yeah, just like that. Jeez. Wow. It was a mummified corpse wrapped in what would be, in what would we cut, uh, excuse me, wrapped in what we would come to know was faux leather fabric hmm. and then trash bags and now lay be- decaying before their eyes. Crazy. The body had been trapped without oxygen and there was extreme slippage to the skin. Oh, New York apartment in the summertime? Mm -hmm. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Jesus. Any movement caused more of the body to fall apart and deteriorate into its own soup. Oh, Jesus. Lois called the police. The cops showed up and called the medical examiner. When the story made it to the papers, the medical examiner was quoted as saying the body had been decaying anywhere from seven months to 20 years. Wow, that's a really large range. <laughs> yes. That's, such a large that's like, such that's like a what do you think of the body? Range. Well, she's dead. How that's long has she report. been dead? She, she died, man. <laughs> that is my report. <laughs> World's worst corner. <laughs> if anybody needs right. me, I'll be at the IHOP. <laughs> <laughs> corner, we got a case. We need you to, to decide when this body was dumped because we have a suspect, but he, we, we want to make sure that we, he has an alibi for, he doesn't have, his alibi doesn't fit the time frame. <laughs> My setup is so shitty. Sorry. This we setup is gone. Up. It's gone. The coroner left. The coroner's just like, as you were doing that, he was shelling out ones, being like, just hurry, just take it. It's fine. It's your, it's oh, your tip. God. I, I, maybe I need to take an improv class. Uh, His Honda just peeled out of the parking lot. 
fuck this. I love that man. He waits on no one. Upon further... Oh, sorry. That's above it. So, um, they said the body was between seven months and 20 years. Huge gap. It was a man wearing boxer shorts, and he had been shot in the head. Damn. Uh, They later revealed that the man's name had been Robert Wells. Hmm. Ooh, okay. Upon further investigation, the reporter was told by police that Robert Wells was an alias for Robert Worley, known as Bobby. Bobby was born in December of 1938 and had disappeared one night after being released from Sing Sing Prison in 1966. My dad was born in 38. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Did what? he also go to Sing Sing? He did. Oh, wow. Maybe he knew him. He's also wrapped up somewhere right now <laughs> in a drag queen's closet. <laughs> oh, my God. Wouldn't that did be he piss off that? a drag queen? I mean, yeah, it would be funny, and, uh, yeah, it'd be... Uh... I sort of wish that was true, so that way... I like, kind of do, too. A month, a month, months from now, when it founds out that it is true, and Cash is like, I told you guys this several months ago. Yeah. <laughs> On a podcast. Hey, yeah, I talked about it openly. <laughs> He's the bad coroner. There were two theories about Robert. Either he was an unfortunate thief who had scared Dorian into using her gun, or he was her lover and she had killed him in an act of passion or self-defense. A third, unfound theory said that Lois had killed Bobby and Dorian had hidden the body for her. And she was like, fuck you guys, to the cops. Because like, they brought it up in front of her, which I mean, I guess cops will do. And they're like, well, you didn't kill him, did you? And she told them off, mm-hmm. according to, to herself. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure she did that. <laughs> Um, but see, so, so yeah, so there's these two theories. Um, obviously Dorian either way hid the body so that she, she couldn't call the police after whatever happened, you know, so she, cause they were definitely, I mean, it's not like she's going to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, oh yeah, for sure. Bobby's brother, Fred Worley. Last saw his brother in 67 or 68. He wasn't sure. Bobby began a relationship with a... So after he got out of prison, he showed up at Fred's like a year-ish later. And then he started a relationship with Fred's neighbor. A woman. Uh, But then he beat up one of her children, specifically a seven-year-old son. Uh So when she threatened to call the pool... Yeah, he's not... Not great. So when she threatened to call the police, he disappeared. That's the last time Fred saw him. When he was asked if he thought that his brother was attracted to drag queens, Fred said that he knew he absolutely was. He told a reporter about a time when Bobby drunk-dialed Fred's house and believing he was talking to a drag queen named Dorian went on and on about sex things and all kinds of relationship things. And Fred apparently just let him talk. He's like, he just kept talking, so I kept listening. Ugh, gross. Which is weird, because my brother. brother talk about yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, really... My brother talk yeah. about anything. And then, I, and then I took off my pants, you know, like brothers do. <laughs> uh, 
My brother could tell me what he wants to eat, and I'd be like, enough, please. Maybe Fred was, like, writing it down just for, like, yeah. blackmail later. <laughs> so, this was during the pandemic, but my brother called me one time at, like, three in the morning. And I was, like, freaking out because I was like, oh, there's something's wrong. And Star was with me. And she was in, she was in, she had been visiting and, uh-huh. uh, I answered the phone. I go, Hey, what's up? I go, what's up, honey? And I was like, why did I call him honey? And then he was like freaking out. He had, I guess he had smoked too much weed and he was starting to like freak out and stuff. And so he called me and he was like, um, I'm just freaking out a little bit. I go, it's okay. It's okay, sweetie. And he's like, why do you keep calling me honey and sweet? I go, I don't know. I, it's three in the morning. You called me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I'm on this. So the, I, fact, <laughs> the fact that the brother didn't immediately go like, hey, what's going on, dude? <laughs> it's just like super. That's weird. Maybe it was super. Maybe it was the same thing. Maybe he woke him up yeah. with the con. He's like, hello, darling. And he just went off. Yeah. He's like, hey, babe. Yeah. He's like, uh, you know what I want to do to you? You know what I want to do to you? And he's like, proceed to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to sound like a drag queen. Yeah. <laughs> it just comes off as like a British dame. I do declare. Proceed to tell me your vicious kinks. <laughs> uh, I want to do this and this and this and this. Grass. He's probably so, like, this is definitely blackmail for if I ever need a favor. I guess so. Yes, that's what I think it was. And then it's like... Obviously, his brother's a scumbag. He's yeah. just going coming around to cause cause chaos. Um, so where was he? Oh, he would not be. So the thing that I found a little weird was that when he was telling the reporter about the phone call, he at first he was like, "I can't remember the name that he kept saying," and then then the reporter suggested Dorian, and he was like, "Yeah, that was it." And she's like, are you sure you're not just thinking that because I just said it and because of the context? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm like 100% sure that was it. <laughs> so who knows? Might have not been Dorian at all. These two are dingbats. <laughs> what, the Warley brothers? Yeah. They're the smartest guys in town. <laughs> the Hardy Boys are based on yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, if it's, a, if, if it's a town of dead people, then yes. Yeah. <laughs> So he would not be surprised if it was Dorian Corey, but he wasn't like it was it went from like, yeah, I'm totally sure to like, I would not be surprised if it was, which is weird. And he also would not be surprised if Bobby had gone violent in any type of relationship that they had. Since that was obviously Bobby's thing. I think I'm going to start saying that from now on when people ask me questions and be like, did you hear that? I'd be like, I wouldn't be surprised. It's like such a perfect, like, (laughs) you're not confirming it. You're not denying it. (laughs) Did you hear that they got Sierra Mist in the vending machine? I I wouldn't be surprised. surprised. (laughs) (laughs) We got rid of the cactus cooler, though. I wouldn't be surprised. It definitely feels like something that someone says, like... In the background before a scene starts, <laughs> you know, just like, like hold on, I wouldn't be surprised. Hey, can I ask you two about this murder homicide? <laughs> oh, sure, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah it's definitely uh, um, oh god, what a Columbo turnaround. Yeah, yes. You know, he's asking a question, and the 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 suspect goes, "I wouldn't be surprised," and then the Columbo goes, "And just one thing, just one one thing that's bothering me." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
have you been watching Columbo, yeah. Lori? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just there's just one one more thing. One more thing. What? Just one more thing. Hey. One more thing. It's just uh... You just said that you you never met the victim. <laughs> so uh, how did you know who they were in the picture? Why does he sound like Robert De Niro? Because <laughs> you know what? I can't do accents. That's why I'm <laughs> You Columbo think that sounds like accent? Robert De Niro? <laughs> Sounds Thank like you. somebody. <laughs> my 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 and my impressions are always like mul- a multitude of people. You know, it's a catch-all. It's it could be a variety of different people. It transcends people. <laughs> yeah, all together. Yeah. <laughs> it's opulence. O p u l e n c e opulence. You own everything. <laughs> I say that for about a week every time I watch Paris is Burning. Two weeks. <laughs> Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so according to Dorian's old friend, Pepper LaBeja. <laughs> I love that name. Yes, it's a great one. Dorian had only had two serious loves in her life. The first, Eddie, was much younger than her. And, did an, and ended up robbing her of her ballroom money without a word Ugh. after being together for the majority of the 70s. That's a shame. Aww, That's no. a shame. He left her absolutely brokenhearted. Mm. The second, Leon, had only been with Dorian for a few years before her death and stayed with her up until she died. Mm. No one had ever heard of a Bobby. And if she knew him before that night, she took it to her grave. Pepper and anyone else you ask will say that any of the countless times they found themselves in her apartment, they never smelled or suspected a thing. Lois told New York Magazine that she did find an old piece of paper that she thought pertained to the murder, but she didn't detail if she found it with the body or somewhere in the apartment. And it looked like a diary entry on very old paper, where Dorian wrote about a sex change and about getting revenge and wrote down the word murder. Hmm. Lois turned that over to the police as evidence. So the only two people that know for sure what happened the night Bobby died are both dead now. And the police have not released any more information since 1994. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's pretty cool. Yeah. What do you guys think happened? I think she was probably a lover. Yeah. I think that got her. violent with her and she was like, fuck this, because um, she probably had a gun. Yeah. And don't nobody put hands on me. Yeah. That's why she probably had the gun. I mean, yeah. she's had such a full life. Yeah. And, and in that situation, so many men will try to take advantage of you and, and put their hands on you. And she had to have been used to that by then, so why not have a gun yeah. for your safety? And if someone goes too far, there you go. Especially with this dude. Yeah. And the reason I think that is because he came in, unless, unless you know, she undressed him, the guy was found in his boxers, which is like, if she did undress him, why would she leave the boxers on? Mm-hmm. So it was like yeah. probably, you know, post-coitus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Coitus interruptus. I, I think that, yeah, probably. It's probably like, you when know, he, they got in a fight. And, yeah. Or he was being abusive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. What I love is that it was, she got away with it. Yeah. And you know. when you live a life so full, and your time is tragically cut short, I think you should get one. Yeah. <laughs> what I agree. What's... Weren't there reports that she was kind of a hoarder, too? The, she... Yeah, it's like the apartment. I'll post a picture. It's just, it's full. It's just so, every little square inch, and it's like a tiny apartment, too, because it's Harlem. Yeah. Yeah. She had her stuff. She had some of uh, her boyfriend Leon's stuff. There's some reports that say that Lois was her roommate. I don't think that's true, though. I think it was more like her friend who had to stay there often to take care of her towards the end, mm. but not exactly her roommate, because the, the house was just so full. Oh, can you imagine stuff. having a, a hoardy house like that, and there's a body in there, and you're like, <laughs> you just don't pay attention to it? I would oh, like we, it we, we don't go on that side of the closet. Fuck, dude. But you can't smell it. I mean, like... It's, I, I don't mean smell. Know. I just mean... Oh, yeah. It's haunting. Oh, yeah. Like her self, like Dorian, mm-hmm. knowing it's there, just mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Terrifying. We went to upstate New York, uh, my dad, my family and I, a couple years ago to visit his family and one of his aunts, I think, or his cousin's aunts or something. I don't know. We went and visited her and she was kind of a hoarder and she had just stacks of newspapers up the stairs of her. It was a two story house. Mm -hmm. So my dad, my dad was a little weird. He was filming everything. He would open up the cabinets and film inside the cabinets. (laughs) He filmed in the bathroom. He filmed. And so he wanted to, I don't know why he said that he wanted to make sure he had everything in case something happened and he, you know. (laughs) <laughs> we, we, we didn't we couldn't access the footage or we needed to know what the inside of a cabinet of a woman that i only met once looked on like. vhs yeah right. and so um he wanted to go upstairs and she was like no you don't go upstairs we never go upstairs whoa and so i was like oh there's a dead body up there there's yeah. definitely a dead yeah. body up there yeah for sure but no we didn't get to go upstairs very cool oh that's a shame no, not really. I'm glad you didn't get to go upstairs. Yeah, yeah. she would have murdered us. Ooh. She had that, like, you know, Syracuse strength where she was, like, 70, but she, you knew she owned a hatchet somewhere. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> she was, like, hidden pathways in the house. Yeah. Maybe that's what your dad was looking for secretly. Like, he heard Maybe. of that. He, we, we went to his childhood home, and he did the same thing. He, like, opened up the closets, and the guy who owned the house at the time was, like, following him around. <laughs> yeah, you doing? Yeah, I would let that dude in my house be like, "Hey, can I walk around and film stuff?" Fuck you, dude. No. Yeah. No, they. I mean, they were very gracious. They let us come into his, the house. They let us, you know. They and my dad, of course, like immediately acts like it's his house and just walks downstairs and starts opening things, opens up the washer, you know, just like, you know, sir, what, the, what sir. the hell are you doing, you weirdo? Yeah, this, this washer was not here when you were here. He's like yeah. emptying the dishwasher for them. He's like, can't yeah, leave he's these filming. in here. He was filming everything. I mean, honestly, I, I'm surprised that we weren't, like, thrown out. I'm surprised we weren't, like... Because <clears throat> in the, the kitchen, he's like, there's a box of Frosted Flakes. Shh. You see the contents inside are Frosted Flakes. Let me pour, <laughs> pour it inside this bowl. Sounds like Frosted Flakes. But the whole Let's time he's recording like. wrong, so it's really just a half a shot of the table and then his belly. Ah! 
90% of how he filmed. That's 90%. He always insisted on filming. And then it would always just be like, you know, he was either uh, zoomed out too much or zoomed in too much or... He wasn't his, he wasn't, he could never figure out that wherever you point the camera is where you shoot. He thought if he was just looking at something, it would shoot. But Fantastic. His, so he would uh, put the camera down and then he would look and it was just like, no, dad. Oh, God. He's all frost flakes. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. They're great. They're great. <laughs> we'll great. see you next week. Tony the Tiger. Good <laughs> 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 everybody. Bye. Bye.